forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in time to tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> We're doing a fucking podcast. <laughs> yes, Did you guys sir. watch the Deadwood movie last night? No, is that, it's out? It's, it came out last night. Oh I'm still catching up on uh, that. Your face when you heard that you were like, it's out? No, <laughs> I, 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 there's like nine things that came out this weekend. and, and That's true. It's a, yeah, like, I got to watch the Always My Maybe. Always oh, Be My Maybe. Be That's my maybe. the only thing that yeah. I'm thinking about. Right? That's great. what I want And, and the Rambo trailer. I mean, you, you yeah. got to check that out. <laughs> Sure. Um, full disclosure to our listeners. Listen, I'm here with Marquita Robinson and Carlos Folia. Hello. They are delightful. Hi. You missed 15 minutes of conversation that we had. <laughs> it was so I'm good. going to have them back and we're going to do it again. Um, and we're going to get their whole origin stories because I can't fucking do that again. I love it. Uh, I'm not an actor. I don't go back to one. <laughs> what I want to talk about with you two, now that we know each other so well. Yes. Yeah. Is, and listen, there are gems in there. Yeah, you missed my social security. <laughs> Number. Yeah, the <laughs> I gave credit it all. card numbers were given away. Um, send your angry letters uh, to Carlos over Twitter. Yes. Um, I want to ask you both. I usually end with this, but I'm going to start with this in case we never make it to the end. <laughs> sure. Um, what are you watching on TV right now? But specifically, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot as I'm out with pitches and developing stuff. Um, like, what is the stuff that you're watching on TV telling you about? The way either TV is headed or different modes of storytelling that are now available to us, which maybe weren't five years ago. Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of game changers, it feels like, in the past few years. What have what have those been for you and how have they inspired your writing or development or or whatever? I feel that way right now about Fleabag season oh, two. I was just going to say Fleabag yeah. season Period. two. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's There's no other answer right there, now. There is no, Phoebe <laughs> Waller-Bridge is the answer. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a good point. Yeah. And, and some of it, I think, is uh, the format of British television. You mm-hmm. get six and you get the money to do your shit and then you get out, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's something kind of beautiful there's something beautiful about how she does story and how she does character. And she does not waste a moment on a page at, at all. There's no scene, no character who doesn't have a quirk, who doesn't have a point of view. There isn't an object, a moment, a personality quirk that isn't um, tied to something greater. Interesting. Uh, she uh, isn't afraid to, um, say something very specific. She's not afraid to undercut emotion. She's like, she does everything that you need to do. I think in a half hour comedy, that's emotional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in season two, like not to spoil, but she takes on a huge trope, Mm -hmm. a huge trope Mm -hmm. and explores it in a grounded way, in a way that's actually realistic. And, you know, it's like a sexy, funny, emotional feminist, season but not feminist as like the story is feminism but just it's it's fantastic she's she's great but it's interesting hearing you talk about it specifically in that way i mean you've worked on glow you've worked on you're the worst Mm -hmm. and i would argue especially you're the worst does a similar thing yeah which is the kind of television that i like the most Mm -hmm. uh, is uh 
half hour comedies with emotion. Mm. And I think that we're kind of in a war in half in the half hour space, yeah. which is uh, the funny shows versus the non funny shows. And, yeah. you know, some shows like I think glow leans a little more drama and mm. there are funny moments and there are funny situations, but it's not a joke heavy. Like we don't punch in that room right. at all. Um, and it's not about the joke. It's not, a, it's not Whereas about you the also jokes. Worked on new girl, which was so jokey, which the exact very opposite, emotional. very emotional. Exactly. And so to me, I think that the best version of the genre is deeply emotional and funny. And I think that is just the, it's exactly what story should be for mm-hmm. Like, that's what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I love like feeling like, Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And then getting hit with a joke. And I think that is like that sort of conflict of yeah. emotion when you watch something is great. And that's what Fleabag is doing. Yeah, It's like giving you like all of that so that, you know, it, it, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm taking the space. No, my, I'm talking about no, 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 no. This, uh, you It's have my to, yeah. show. <laughs> um, Welcome back to Bagcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like one one other thing that I'll say is yeah. that you know in the states we kind of like are always forced to be like, well, do they know that that's what the story is? Can you mm-hmm. maybe she needs to restate her goal? Maybe mm-hmm. she needs to whatever. How about a Chiron? Yeah. Sorry, I just want studio notes for a second there. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we do it to ourselves in anticipation of notes. For sure. But in her season, she says at the beginning of the season, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This, I'm like, you know, as vague as possible. I'm going to do this thing. It's going to happen. And it's reiterated a little bit. And here it's like, oh, you just gave away the ending. Mm -hmm. No, she's like, you're going to want to watch how this happens and how this plays out because that's what writing is and that's why you watch television. Absolutely. It's not about that twist at the end. No, it's it's not. The path that's taken. It's about the path. It's about earning. It's about making it emotional and surprising. And she does it. I I think she's she's a genius. She's incredible. Um, I mean, on the heels of Fleabag, I mean, Killing Eve, I think, is also Mm -hmm. um, absolutely incredible. And coming from the genre um, drama space, the one hour, like I I agree 100% with what you just said. Like Fleabag season two is is everything. It, it's got everything in 24 minutes. Like the whole thing's three hours. The whole season, yeah. it's three. That's like half. An, that's an episode of Game of Thrones, of, you know, <laughs> of last season. And it's and you get more emotional d- d- delivery. Like like yeah. by far, by far. Um, I love Fleabag. I, I love um, Killing Eve. But also on that same um, um, the female oriented story like Gentleman Jack uh, on HBO I heard it's I, great I need to watch yeah, that I am, I am it, yeah. over the moon on that I'm, I'm a big period person so um, I, I love 19th century and that's where kind of a lot of my stuff lives and to see this story of, of the first modern you know lesbian uh, that had to write journals and code about her oh, sexual orientation and all this stuff but also it has a little bit of the flea back to it because uh, no spoilers but she does actually look to the camera and talk to the camera Ooh, because it's based, right. it's based off her journals so that whole idea um, that storytelling, that time period to me is, is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so looking at these things and sort of um, digging into the aspects that you're finding, Fle- Fleabag specifically, mm-hmm. what they do right, has this empowered you in your own work? Has this changed? Like, Carlos, I know you're looking to develop some stuff this year. And Marky, I don't know what you're doing with yourself <laughs> right now. But in your own work, has this changed the way you write or or what you know is possible going forward or do you have to be Phoebe Waller-Bridge to do it I no I I think what's great about when shows like that come out 
it should be inspiring. It yeah. shouldn't be like, yes, she's a genius. We should like give her that. But also like there are more of her. Mm-hmm. But but people like her need to know that they can create on that level yeah. and that they can go there and that they can, you know, dream. They can do like their weirdest, most like shameful, strange, like sexual, whatever stories. Yeah. And I think what that's what watching good television does for me. And I think, you know, some of us like we watch things and we're like, oh, God, I wish I could write like that. Or like there's, yeah. you know, writer jealousy. But honestly, it should be like fuck like let me write exactly what i want to write yeah. and how i want to do it and not be afraid of of breaking form or whatever because once you get the basics down once you've worked in this industry for a bit like you know everything you need to know about yeah. how to make television and and mm-hmm. let's do something different like do it di- let's do it differently you can do it yeah just work as hard as she does <laughs> well and and as she does and as you know, on the like, it's it's weird to compare, but like Ben Edlund doing the tick mm-hmm. is the same thing, right? It's he's telling the story he wants to tell, you know, the version that only he can do, right? right? It's it's unabashedly Ben's voice, mm-hmm. um, and I think the same lesson can be taken from both of those, which is to write the thing that only you can write. Yeah, and and we're in a better space to do that. We're in a right. more voicey era you know which is you know which is why there's so many shows you know kind of going to people who maybe have no experience at all and i think it's because we're so like voice specific and i think when you're a writer who staffs your whole purpose is to adapt to someone else's voice and it's easy to kind of forget that you came here to have your own voice yeah and i you know it's nice to see Voicey TV. Yeah, That's totally. True. There are outlets for it now. I want to, um, Carlos, I want to sort of talk about, you know, you you worked on The Exorcist. Yep. Um, you were the assistant, right? I was, I was a kind of a hybrid showrunner's assist, but also writer's assist. Right, so yeah, I kind of got both of the... Um, because it was such a fly-by-night operation. Yeah, it was low budget. You know, it was... <laughs> <laughs> but it also was, and I'll say both seasons felt so much like uh, Jeremy's point of view. A hundred percent. And then he sort of had Rollin and then Sean to mm-hmm. come in and sort of help accommodate yeah. him with that. Um, but being in the middle of that, you know, did you see someone and, and we talked with Jeremy a little bit about this when he and Sean did the podcast, yeah. but did you see, you know, him able to put his voice forward? And then when you were got to be a writer on it, were you able to have a voice on the show? Yeah. I think Jeremy, uh, Jeremy is a, he's, he's I, I would call him a genius. I hope he doesn't listen to this because he'd be like, <laughs> "Shut up." Um, I think his 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 ability and talent are, are, are unbelievable. And I think when Sean came on for season two and brought us all on, mm-hmm. there there was there was instant connection. You had him on the show, like they they just really melded together. Yeah. And Sean knew that you know this was Jeremy's vision and Jeremy's baby, and Sean was there to just make it better, you know, any way that he could. And so and Jeremy and Sean worked well so well together that there wasn't any kind of friction in that sense. Right. And so. We, we kind of took his ideas and took his 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 storylines and just made them as best as we could in concert with him. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really set the tone for me as to what I think a writer's room should be and what I've searched for since then. Yeah. Um, 
because I've heard horror stories, you know, people, people clash and stuff like that. But we had, you know, we had these titans of, of, of our industry in, in the room, you know, yeah. and, and I'm sitting there and that's why when, when I finally got, you know, bumped up and went to another show, you know, I, I walked in for lore, for example, and I sit down and it's like, Jose Molina, you know, Ashley Edward Miller, uh, Becky Kirsch, the Benson sisters. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and oh. to play ball with these people. Yeah. 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 And you, you have this like, little moment there where it's like, Oh, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Keep it together. And, and, but you're just like, no, you know what? They they want me here. Right. You know, and so you just And kind you're of, one of them. And I'm one of them. And so and and look, I, I learned so much from each individual person in that room. I learned something that I will have for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that to me was priceless. Um, but figuring out how to work together and kind of, you know, make that vision happen is is I think one of the most satisfying mm-hmm. things about being in a room as opposed to look, Phoebe's awesome, but you know, she kind of does it on her own. Sure. And and that's that's a whole different, you yeah, know, different that's thing. That's a different thing. Yeah. But so how do you like, cause I always deal with like the, I think the first day of a room, especially when you're early in your career is extremely terrifying because mm-hmm. of what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like these people do this. I'm a fan of them. And, yeah. and there's this thing that happens. Like you get in a room and people start talking about story and you're like, Oh my God, I'm lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, they have a different, la-. you know, sometimes, sometimes you slot in, sometimes you don't, but yeah. like, how have you dealt with, I think, I think there's stepping a, up to the plate. There was a, right? there was a bunch of uh, codes that I kind of picked up from, from Sean and from, you know, being in the room as an assistant for the first, for the first chunk. And, uh, I remember the, it's almost a crutch now. Like I found myself saying, so this is the bad pitch. And that, that gives me freedom to like fuck up. If you preface it, this is the bad pitch. Yeah. How about a coffee? Like, like you just, you just try something and then eventually you start dropping the, this is the bad pitch. But every now and then <laughs> it comes back. Because they know it's a bad pitch. Know, yeah, it's, it's a bad pitch. It's Carlos. It's definitely bad, the standard bad <laughs> pitch. On. Yeah. Um, no, but, I, but then your bad pitches become like the good ones. Yeah. And then like you're like, fuck, but then how? So I don't know when my pitches <laughs> are know, bad. I don't, I don't know good pitches. <laughs> no, oh, no. I don't know myself <laughs> either. But there is, yes, there, and I find I've found this in every room I've been in where there is that hedging, mm-hmm. right? It's I don't yeah. want to pull myself all the yeah. way out there, but we're all on the same page yeah. too. So everyone understands that code. And in some rooms and in more uh, intense rooms, mm-hmm. you have to say it because otherwise people are going to be like, you are stupid. Sure. Like if the well, comedy if, too. It's yeah. Just, yeah. So, tough. so there's, yeah, there is a, there is a good reason to do it. And yeah. every year I forget, I forget that it exists and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start doing it. Uh, but I, I'm also like someone who sometimes I feel like I pitch too much, hmm. but, uh, I think I, at some point and I like, am so happy that I lost my fear a bit, right. which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where yeah, I'm like, all right, let's just, let's just go. Let's just keep like, there shouldn't be, we should, you know, I remember I was, I was told about the, the terminology, like, you know, the, would you call that the, the machine gun? And then you have the sniper that comes in like once or twice a day with like a, just like yeah. a solid idea, just, but like, you know, sits right. on it. And it's like, and I've been both. I, been both? Like, yeah. I, Is that yeah. right? But, yeah. I don't, it, you never know. You never like, know. Yeah. Some, some days you just got it and you just go crazy. Um, which is nice. It's nice to see another writer in a room. Like when someone locks into the story and they have such a clarity, it's contagious. I feel like it's like, let that person talk mm-hmm. through the entire thing. And it, some rooms are like this and some are not, but I, it's always nice to see that person be like, okay, okay, okay. Let me just talk through this. And yeah. then they do it. And because at the end you want to be like, oh, I see it. I see it. I see. It. I know what you're right, talking about. Right. Oh, thank God. Like, yeah. This person <laughs> has you. given clarity to everyone else. Yeah. And I don't know. It also, 
it takes a strong showrunner, if that person's not the showrunner, mm-hmm. it takes a strong showrunner to allow another writer to do that. Mm-hmm. And they should, though, I think. Absolutely. I, I th- That's why you have these brains, right? Right, because sometimes you, you're you not going to be the person who does that every single episode. And yeah. if you're on a 24-episode season, even if you're yeah. even if you're doing, you know, something like Glow, like – we're all just trying to see the same picture and we're all just, and sometimes we're talking about the same story, but we all have different versions of it in Mm -hmm. our head. And, and like, I might hear Carlos's version be like, I'd like that, but then like, it's bumping against something that I'm, you know, and sometimes the people who do sit back for a bit, they're sitting back so that they can hear the versions and then reconcile Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And so some, so it is important for some people to spit things out and and so that other people can just kind of see like all of the material right. yeah. and then they just come in and they're like all right we we have it we have it it's yeah. this and your pitch and blah 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 boom let's start getting on the board <laughs> right. but everybody processes in a different yeah. way and yeah. and again you know the, whoever's running the room a good showrunner showrunner will recognize that yeah it, yeah it was crazy because i mean i've worked <clears throat> on a lot of shows with with sean and his ability to process that mm-hmm. and to move forward i think is what you know makes it such a good environment because sometimes you know you get pressures about your babies and so you have a list of like 15 ideas on the board but he's so great because it's such a community effort that he'll be like okay so let's let's take out this one let's take out this one no 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 and like you you see your your ba- you know they just get wiped <laughs> off the board and they're gone forever but for some reason because it's such a good space you're like okay cool you know whereas I, you know i feel like if it wasn't a good space you'd be like well there goes my idea i suck what am i doing here i'm moving Sometimes home your, you know? your idea is that gets wiped away is the reason why you're able to move to the next step Bingo. Bingo. so i and and it sucks because you're like oh it was such a good moment landed people <laughs> loved it and then it gets all right this is gone yeah, one swipe and that's one it swi- <laughs> one swipe but guess what like that's not the last time yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Episode, you know yeah. but but yeah it's like it's about your sharing the frustrating process with other people and you can be alone throwing your shit away and second guessing yourself or you can have other people share that painful Mm -hmm. work with you and it's that's the beauty of television that is well there is an enormous amount of both ego and humility involved right it's you have to have no ego and you have to have a lot of ego to do this job absolutely or to to even pursue a career in hollywood absolutely like we are just baseline we're we're unbearable human beings to normal people (laughs) to be like i have a story to tell i'm funny i have interesting i can think of big worlds i can change the world with my words i'm gonna risk my entire life i'm gonna throw away my degree to move to a city i'm not from Mm -hmm. and you know be broke in order to do this because I'm so important. And and I'm not saying not all like we're not horrible people, but that's like our baseline. Yeah. That's a normal yeah. person here. That is a that's not an unreasonable way to see us. That's a normal person. So imagine like, you know, would it, like we have a lot of like narcissists and sociopaths in our industry. And it's like when I explain that, I'm like, it's because our baseline is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's. Also, an enormous leap of faith. Yeah. Right. Is um, in our aborted first session, we were talking about, Carlos, it's been, this is your nine-year anniversary. Nine years to the day. Of yeah. moving to Los Angeles. Yeah. And and Marquita, you're coming up on nine years. It's, it's coming. Um, and that, you know, taking that initial leap 
can be scary. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, again, coming here with sure, no plan? Sure. No, it was one of those things where I was about to turn 30 and my previous careers had just uh, fallen apart. I was a musician and like I said earlier, like I, I, I enjoy jumping from one pipe dream to another and I figured LA is the, the place to go. So I just moved out here with, um, I think it was less than $150 to my name, oh my to my God. entire name. Um, what I had done is I had shipped my belongings in, uh, parcel post uh, for like $8, you know, a box, but yep. it would take a month to get here <laughs> yep. to different houses, different friends' houses all throughout LA. And then I came with two bags and got off the plane. Actually, the slight tan. Slight you didn't tangent. even drive out. You, I, so you had no car. I had no car. My friend picked me up, but super slight. So this is June of 2010. The Lakers and the Celtics are playing in the NBA uh -huh. finals, right? <laughs> I, I get I get in my friend's car. I'm wearing a shirt. I, I can send you the picture that says Beat LA, right? It was from 2008 <laughs> NBA finals. And... I'm excited. I'm in LA. I'm driving. This is great. We get pulled over. We get, oh we get, we get pulled over 25 minutes of me living in LA for guess what? Click it or ticket. No seatbelt. So the cop comes over and she looks, she looks at my shirt and I'm like, Hey, I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just got off the plane. I just moved here. She goes, she looks, okay, cool, cool, cool. Huh? Writes me a fat ticket, gives it to me and goes, welcome to Los Angeles. Go Lakers. <laughs> petty. That, 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 that petty. was my welcome to LA. And then the Lakers That's won great. the final. So everything sucked. Oh my um, God. But yeah, moved here with nothing. But the important thing was that, you know, it, as we talked about networking uh, previously, I had this small group of friends that, you know, yeah. were coming up together and we were all here together. And that's what made the difference for me and made it, made it manageable and, and palatable for the first three or four super lean years. Yeah. How so. did you, what did you do to, you know, buy food in those first couple of years? Well, you know, I had a couple of friends and I was like, can I borrow <laughs> 50 bucks? Um, no, I, I, I worked in a restaurant. I worked at a, a fantastic restaurant called Fleming's, um, mm -hmm. steakhouse. And then I also, I had been designing and I still design every now and then. Um, so I'd started to get some freelance design jobs and it wasn't until, um, this website called Upworthy that, mm -hmm. that back in the day invented clickbait. You know, that yeah. whole, you won't believe what happens next. Yeah. That's our fault. Remember that. Um, they actually brought me on as a writer and a designer. Hmm. And that was my first taste of like, oh shit, I can get, I can get paid for, right. for words. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Um, and that was, that was before, um, any of the Sean Crouch stuff, but that, that was the first inkling I think that was like, oh, okay, let's, um, let's, let's be creative in this sense. You know, mm -hmm. we're not going to act, we're not going to play music. Um, let's tell some stories in other ways. I've, I've always wanted to tell stories. And I think from the music to the theater, to the design, to the, to the writing, it's always been about the story for me. And now with writing, it's about the characters and the story because mm -hmm. it's no longer me. I'm not the main character in the song or that kind of sure. thing. So, um, let me pause there. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to pick up there in yeah. a second. Um, but Marquita, you know, we were talking again earlier about, you know, you went through the producing program at USC, yep. uh, sort of built a network that way, mm -hmm. um, but then had to start reaching out from that and kind of got on the assistant track. Right? Yeah. How did, how did, I think a lot of people want to know is how did you even get on that track? On the assistant track? Yeah. Well, uh, so in the start producing program, it's two years. In between those years, the program helps secure a paid internship for right. you. And that involves oh, Larry so Terman, who's the head of the program, mm -hmm. who produced The Graduate. And like in, in true producing, not like, oh, I just slapped my name on it. But, oh, there's this book that's, you know, kind of successful. You know, I think it could be a movie. Wow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Like he uh, he calls his connections. A lot of them are Stark alumni around town. Huh. Uh, and he he kind of 
pins them. And then we all go interview for a lot of these jobs. So my my internship was a really good one. It was at Disney in uh, the development department. Oh, wow, so this great. was like wow. feature development. Yeah. That's this was Lone, Lone Ranger. Yeah. yeah like especially. C- then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was uh, a paid internship where I was the department intern, but I was also kind of a full time assistant to the CE, hmm. uh, Louis Provost, who's now, you know, way higher up <laughs> when I was working for him. And then when other assistants needed to go out of town uh, or like take a break or whatever, I would float and yeah. then I would be suddenly be on like Sean Bailey's desk or I would be on Tendon Agenda who who used to be uh, a VP over there. So I basically got all of those skills from that internship and it wow. was a really uh it was really great for me because it was kind of like my agency experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that Which I think um, again just to give people the context a lot of folks who wind up assistanting or writers assistants yeah. will kind of do a year or more right. on agency desks, mm-hmm. uh, uh talent agency desks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what what you don't kind of know is that uh even to just get an assistant job, you have to know that game. Yeah. That's a specific game. It has nothing to do with writing, has nothing to do with whatever, but it has a language. It has a, it's very formal. There's a way you do shit. You can fuck up in ways you don't even know. <laughs> so it's kind of like if you, aren't even sure how to get an assistant job, then the thing that you should be saying to yourself is, how do I make myself get like you have to start thinking internships mailroom mm-hmm. how do i like right. learn that game first yeah. and it how sounds like to watch it yeah and then become how do a, i get to learn yeah, it whether office pa something yes. like that yes and the easiest way to do that is take the sort of internship mm-hmm. mailroom job that scares you the most honestly that's smart like yeah. be a person who can handle a busy desk which mm-hmm. means a lot of calls a lot of emails were you two good assistants i was good <laughs> In ways and okay in others. Mm -hmm. I think I really rode the line between I'm doing this well, but also you know that I don't want to do this. (laughs) Well, that's the thing we hear a lot is, you know, when you get one of those jobs, even... And and most of those, you know, writers assistants, showrunners assistants want to be writers. Yeah. And your boss probably knows that. But you still have to do that assistant job to yeah. the best of your ability. It has to be the first thing you do. Um, but you were going to say. No, I, I think that I I think I was pretty good. Um, and again, ha- having working with Sean, I think we gave it a different uh, dynamic uh, because he is my best friend and my mentor. So it was one of those things where we had a rapport that I think is wasn't necessarily typical to usual showrunners mm-hmm. Assist and uh, showrunner, um, and so we kind of took care of each other in that sense. So he was always on the lookout for me, and, and, and vice versa. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to be able to go to Vancouver on set every three weeks and oh, like kind of nice. be there. Well, that's you um, were one of those assistants that got to travel. <laughs> well, right, right. Is, is, that's, not, that's not normal. That's not a thing. Uh, no, it was funny because the uh, you watch the um, if you the Brian Cogman on Game of Thrones. There, he was the showrunner's assistant. You know, writer's assistant oh, for for the first season. And it, 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 when I was reading the article in Vanity Fair about it, they were saying how. Nobody knew that he was an assistant season oh, one because wow. he because he was there on set and he was just helping out and stuff and it wasn't until they realized and I think it was um whoever put Jamie Nicola uh, Waster 
blaster cat, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he was like, you're a what? You're an assistant. Then why am I listening to you? Oh my, no, but as, as, as a joke. That's right. funny. And so, That's but that, that was the kind of environment that I was put in. It was so, mm-hmm. so great. I felt so grateful and, and so appreciated by everybody on set um, that I was there and helping out and doing the research and coming back with pages and stuff like that, that, that it really taught me a whole different different path yeah. in that sense. Um, but but I also learned, and this is what ended up paying off for me down the road when I became a co-producer, like it, I learned about that part of it because yeah. the show, showrunner, everyone's like, oh, showrunner, yay, I'm going to sit there and write. Literally, that's like the least thing you do when you're a showrunner. That's, yeah. uh, that's you know, like the showrunner is actually on the phone half the time while everyone else is in the room. People don't oh. realize it is actually a job that you maybe don't want. It's literally. Right. May, if you like may, writing. Yeah, if, if you, you like, like writing, writing, stop it like, you know. <laughs> Be the number two. Supervising producer, I <laughs> yeah. think, is where it's just so all, everything above that is just a bunch of baloney. Um, but yeah, but I learned about the calls and the budget and, and the travel and the this and the that. And so that kind That's of great. came into play when I was on Lore, where I flew out to Prague and I produced my episode. And I knew because yeah. of my experiences, I knew what, what the deal was. assistant. Is, is it's a sleeper good yeah. job. Yeah. I think yeah. everyone wants that writer's assistant job, which is great. And I, being a writer's assistant helped me understand how to break story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, that was invaluable. Um, but if you want to do the job of being a TV writer mm-hmm. and you want to be able to jump in and produce, which is really what you're in TV for, I think is yeah. that control. Mm-hmm. Just the power of knowing what a tone meeting is before you sure. even get a staff writer Bingo. job. Bingo. The pow- like the power of knowing, okay, I have this. Pr- do you guys do a pre-production? Like, how do mm-hmm. you guys do it here? Do you do like a big, you know, just knowing that, knowing what questions are going to be asked of you and seeing like when you're a showrunner's assistant and you ha- if you have a good boss who uses you and mm-hmm. you're going to those meetings and you're watching these department meetings and it will help you not sound like an idiot. Yep. Sure. <laughs> you yep. know, and, and I'm not saying that writer's assistants don't get no, like a no. lot of like get that. But yeah. I think that sometimes when I talk to uh, people who are trying to break in and I'll say like, well, are you looking at showrunners assistant jobs? And they're like, yeah, but I want to be in the room. And I'm like, they're all valuable jobs. They're all, yeah. I mean, even script coordinator, like they're all, they're, they're all fantastically valuable and you learn so much. Yeah. Script coordinator is the only one that I'm like, mm, <laughs> really? Yes. Why? Because script coordinators, uh, they make more money than a showrunner's assistant yeah. and a writer's assistant. And that's for a reason, which is they are a functional, there's someone that you get the most nervous about replacing, I think, sometimes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they're communicating between production and the writers. Yeah. They're keeping the docs consistent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's an organizational skill yes. that yeah. is prized Very, when you find someone who can do it. Yeah. You and don't want to let them the, go. The technical yeah. aspect of it, too, I yeah. think you yes. have to be really good That's at because right. you get a script coordinator that doesn't know grammar that well. And I say, like, well, then what do you, right. oh, oops. You or know. a script coordinator that doesn't know to say, you know, in this episode, you slugged yeah. it, it this way mm-hmm. and then you're slugging it that way. And production is con- is not going to know the difference, you know, like yeah. and, and it's great. And and script corners, coordinators who become writers are excellent. Yeah. But if you're good at that job, you first of all, you have to be good at that job. <laughs> if you're good at that job, it's going to be really hard to get promoted, I think. Yeah, right. I've and heard I, that a lot yeah. lately. And if you're a writer, like they might give you a script, but people don't want to let you go. Yeah. And, that's a good point. and I have friends who've, who've gone through that and they're 
brilliant, brilliant people. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one where I'm like, if you're a competent person, don't take that job (laughs) because you're going to get good at it. And then people are not going to get rid of you. That'll be your life. (laughs) Yeah. I will say I've, so I've been reading a lot of scripts as part of this WGA solidarity challenge. And by the way, just freaking kudos to you. This is all coming out. No, kudos to you (laughs) and kudos to, to, I mean, to you and to Javi and to Liz and to, and to like all the people that are leading the charge online. Like it has been, it has been a, a, refreshing just breath of fresh air and 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 a motivational like tool beyond belief like, yeah i don't thank i you. don't my pleasure yeah. and it genuinely is a pleasure yeah. like the scripts i'm reading and I, apropos to the point is you know i was also sort of taking support staff resumes and passing them on mm-hmm. to people and i heard from a lot of script coordinators who were like i've been trying to get into the room i've been trying to get that staff position mm-hmm. for years now and i've been script coordinator for five years yeah. Like and it's so weird. It's so yeah. It's so weird. Like in our brains, like it happens on so many shows where yeah. it, like that. It, there's just something, sure. and and well, I because you're in a machine, right? And yeah. you yeah. want it to keep going the way it's going. So any change is right, right, potentially a bad change. And and by the way, like just just to be fair. That shit can happen to you in any position, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and in any business. For in that any matter. business, <laughs> yeah. If you're too, what is it? What's, what's that saying? Don't be too good at your job because then they won't replace that's, you. Or, yeah, you they won't promote right. you. Like. That's that assistant's handbook yeah. thing. I, my last assistant job was for Jonathan Groff on Blackish, and he was the ideal boss. I love Groff. We're like. Yeah, we, we, I think I worked for him for like three months and I'm like, have we had a conversation? And it, and it wasn't in a bad way. It was, he was constantly just doing his job. Yeah. And he didn't need personal stuff from me. He just mm-hmm. needed me to make sure he got to his meetings, took notes on post, on post calls, notes, like I just do the job basically. Right. And he also, and I think he's really smart in how he does this. And I wish more people would do this. Showrunners would do this. He loved hiring people who are on the cusp of getting mm-hmm. staffed. Mm. He liked doing Interesting. that. Uh, he liked, he likes having people who are like smart, funny. And, and I think he's, he's racked up a lot of top, like good writers, mm-hmm. like Amy Aniobi yeah. was mm-hmm. his assistant. Yeah. I was his assistant. Uh, Lindsay Shockley, Laura, Laura oh, Peterson, wow. like, and I, and he is act like he likes having yeah. funny, smart people work for him. And it's like, yeah, sit here and like do this job until you leave. And then when you leave, you leave. You know, yeah, and like great. just just kind of an oh, you have a meeting, great, go take yeah. that meeting. Yeah, you That's know, so healthy. <laughs> and there are a lot of yeah, and there are a lot of assistants who are on desks and they're afraid yeah. to tell their boss that they have a meeting to staff, and it's like this is how it happens. Let people go yeah. do that. Like let people do that. You know, your assistant should should be able to look at you and say like, I need a I need a call. Yeah, and and by the same token, you should only hire people that you have a feeling might yeah. be worth making a call for. Absolutely. Like you have to, I think you have to think about their future a bit if you want to be a responsible ally yeah, I think <laughs> in that's this really game, smart. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think, I do think so much, and I've, I've seen this on jobs I've been on, but so much of the industry and so much of what we do is driven by fear. And yes. I think that, you know, a... We're cowards here. We are not brave. I think so. <laughs> um, we're cowards, but we're ambitious, right? <laughs> it's the, I'm telling you, we're the worst people. <laughs> 
we're the worst people when like when horrible things happen and people are like how did people know about it? blah 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 i'm like we're terrified people <laughs> right, we're constantly. afraid of losing jobs we're we're self-serving like it, yeah. it like that's when i think that's those, what this those, business is i wouldn't say bad showrunners but maybe selfish showrunners mm-hmm. who hire someone and then don't help to promote them right. elsewhere are the ones who are afraid of Failure or afraid of, you know, being not having control, whatever it is, just but not there's even fear thinking. at the root. Or just not. I, sure. Like I, a basic selfishness. Yeah. Or and and to try to have, you know, empathy for that kind of <laughs> position. <laughs> there's also an element of like, what if I give this person a shot mm-hmm. and they're not ready? Mm-hmm. And then I've had kind of this, you know, like the relationship between boss and assistant and that transitions into uh, you know, we're closer to being equals right. is tough. And I sure. think in Carl, your, your situation, say, yeah. it seemed well handled. You know what I'm saying? It, like it, you had an actual, it had an actual uh, plan and, and I had an actual bond with Sean. And again, I can't, I hope he doesn't listen to this cause he will make fun of me, but I, you know, <laughs> he's the reason that I'm here. And it was, it was one of those things where we had such a, when it came time for me to to move on and to, you know, join staff at, at on, on lore. Uh, he was like, he was like, is this cool? And, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, but then even the first season I had this like withdrawal, like I'd be in the room, you know, and breaking story. And I would look out the window and like his new assistant would be, and I, <laughs> is, is he doing it right? Is he sure. here? Oh right? my goodness! Well, you yeah. know how this guy yeah. wants and, to be and, taken and care like, of. And then, like after every day of, of of in the room, I'd walk into his office, and be like, "Are you okay? Do you need anything?" <laughs> to the point where he was like, "Fucking go home, go home." No, you don't have to do this you're anymore. Free. You're, you're free. free. And I was like, you no, but you have don't two more back. wishes. Like I was like, what, "What? You know?" And so and so it's but that's that, that's a testament to the relationship and to right. that I want to make sure that he is good to go because he's given me so much and he deserves you know the best. And so yeah. it it yeah it, it's to this day it's still. Like, I wonder if they return that email. Did he? Did he? Did he do? Is that appointment set? Oh no! Did he make the call? Like that? That yeah. kind of thing. So, well, um, and I think that's probably also part of your personality. Yeah, right. It's yeah. not just the relationship, but you know, you you want to make sure that you're a decent person. You yeah, know? I, I, which which is um, I think rare. I think. Marquita, okay. did you wind up working for anyone that you assisted for? Did you write on their staffs? Uh. That's a great question. Um, so <laughs> controversial. <laughs> no, no, it's a, no, it's a good question because I. Uh, so I moved over to Blackish this season. Oh no, kidding! So after I, being away, that's for crazy. For like four or five years. Wow. So I worked the last half of season one, first half of season two, then got staffed basically in the middle of a season and left. Wow. No um, kidding. What did you get staffed on then? Uh, Survivor's Remorse, which oh, is a star right. show. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I like was ready to like move on to a new show and like have a new creative experience. And I tweeted that I was available, uh, in the solidarity challenge. And then I also tweeted a snarky tweet about, uh, the guy who wrote about having a female diversity hire and deadline. (laughs) And I just wrote this like dumb tweet that was basically like, uh, hello, I'm uh, like open to being your female diversity hire. I'm female, like I'm female. I'm diverse. I'm ready to be hired. Like just (laughs) as a joke. And Groff saw that tweet apparently and thought that was like a genuine, like (laughs) I'm a failed tweet and then texted me and he didn't find that out until I was in the meeting. 
Oh, and so we were like, funny. oh, this whole meeting is a fluke. He's like, are you available? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, that is hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and it was That's like, great. yeah, and it, it was like kind of like a strange meeting where, you know, like I'm Courtney Lilly mm-hmm. was on the show season one and I adore him and like really look yeah. up to both of them as writers. And um, Kenny Smith came after me, but he's amazing and so funny. And I was like, yeah, like I do want to. Well, yeah, OK, OK, I'll, I'll come back. And then, so you know, now I'm in a room with former Groff assistants. And really? yeah, and, that's amazing. You know, around it's it's actually a pretty new crop of people. But yeah, uh, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's cool to like kind that's of so come back and do that. And I think that's mostly a testament to like the type of culture that. Yeah. that he engages in yeah. um and then He's and then we'll see yeah for sure. we'll see what you know I'll, I'll i'm sure i'll fuck up at some point and then i'll be like damn it <laughs> well, well this is actually my question without like you don't have to get into it but so you you left that show mm-hmm. and you went on to do at least like four other shows yeah. right you were on staff on four other shows yeah. and you picked up new habits New, you like saw new ways of being in a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I imagine, and as you talked about earlier, like sort of figuring out what y- how you behave in a room. Yes. Did you come back worried about any of that? Did you come back embracing some of that? I I I came back. I feel like there's no other version of coming back that I, like getting staffed on that show that I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Like if I had gone from assistant to staff writer. In like the most intimidating room to me, I would have like really? fallen apart, I think, <laughs> because like you're learn you're learning how to do the job. Absolutely. And I was able to learn how to do the job in different kind of scenarios and situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to see like, this is how uh, breaking like talking about story works for me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I like slugs on a board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, If I don't have I, yeah. a slug, I don't even know what the story is. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. strange. That's awesome. Um, I do that too. I'm like, well, where, but where is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. What am I looking at? What room am I looking I can't at? Picture anything. I can't see anything. People are talking in a black room. <laughs> That's really funny. You know, or or just I I think that I learned how to adapt and I had to gain new skills, yeah. new com- communication skills. Sometimes you're in a room and you're like, oh, they talk about story in a different way that I yes. don't understand, yeah. and I don't know this language yeah. at all, and I have to like figure it out you have to find your yeah. personal way into it yes yeah. have you had that experience i was just there? gonna say um, this is a story that i've i've told my friends and yeah. i was it was the first season as a writer and you know staff writers oftentimes they'll they'll have you go out to outline for the other writers mm-hmm. and you know you kind of just learn learn that way and i was like yes i'll do i'll do half the outlines i'm so excited and i went home and did one of uh one of our one of our upper level writers outline i turn it in email it Come back the next day, this upper level writer comes in and he's like, can I see you in, in my office? And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. I'm, <laughs> bye. See you later. Back to Boston. Right. 150 bucks. Um, and he takes me in and and uh, he says, listen, I I love your voice. I, I, I know why you're here. I get it. I, I, I see what you're doing with the outline. And this is all verbatim. He goes, but I need you to make it 
less flowery. He goes, I I don't need to know, you know, what color the desk is. I don't need to know what (laughs) material it's made of. I don't need to know the dimensions of the room, blah, blah, blah. Just give me the action. Give me the thing. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. And I was like, yes, sir. Am I fired? No. Great. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Bye. So I go, I fix it. He loves it. Everything's great. I do the next writer's outline. The next day, uh, I get an email from that writer and I shit you not. I have a screenshot cap of it. It says, could you make this more flowery? And so oh, it was insane. one of those things, and that was one of those moments where I like threw my hands up in the air and walked into Sean's <laughs> office, and I was like, "What am I doing wrong? I don't understand." He goes, "Well, you're learning. You're learning to write for your audience. You're learning to work yeah, together." And I was like, right. "Oh, so there's no wrong. There's no wrong. Okay, the, every." And he's like, "Yeah." So I learned, you know, in that process, you do what you can do to work together, it's, and then and it so changes funny. per show. Yeah, like, it changes per I, show per person. Can, yeah, per, <laughs> and sometimes per season. Yeah. Sometimes uh, yeah. uh, another season will be you. You feel like you're doing a different process and you're on another show and you kind of have to adapt and um i i think that's what's tough about tv in some ways and kind of what i like about it Mm -hmm. and i think it's from my experience of doing different types of shows Mm -hmm. is that you you think you kind of have figured it out and then and then there's like a new challenge you're Mm -hmm. like oh always like suddenly I'm just a story per like, where did that come from? Like, where am I like, or suddenly I'm just doing, you know, like you yeah. just kind of like yeah. evolve as a, as a person and you adapt to the show and then yeah. you're whatever, like, great. Yeah. Whatever you think your role is, whatever you think your strength is may not be that thing. The next season, the room. next week. Yeah. 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 Which you is know? why I think maybe, I don't know if you do the, or any, like, do you ask people, what they think your strengths are in a room. Oh, do you want to get into that? <laughs> like, I, I, I just don't, because I, do, I do, hear like, people go on staffing yeah. meetings and they're like, here's what I bring to the table. Yeah. And I've never been able to be that person. I'm like, like, I, I, bring I don't the table. promise you shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to get this well, personality. And you also <laughs> don't, you don't want to pigeonhole, right, pigeonhole yeah. yourself as I'm yeah. the structure guy. But that's, it yes, is it's talked a, about. Some people yeah. do it. Some people there, I've been to panels where people say, you yeah. know, when you're in the room, you tell like with a showrunner, mm-hmm. you tell them like, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. And well, I think there is. Well, we actually like my writing partner and I were out uh, for this staffing season. And I will say two things about that. One of one is it was so easy for one of us to say what the other brings to a room. Like that was the See? best. Right. Exactly. I would right. say this guy has a million ideas. He's not precious about any of them. And jokes. He's got jokes. He's got jokes. He's got jokes. <laughs> you've, you've met Edgar. <laughs> um, and but like he will, he'll be a machine for you. Um, and he could say Ben likes to dig in and do the nuts and bolts of the structure and blah blah blah. Um, so that having a partner for that yeah, is the you best. You have someone to pitch you, right? But the other piece of it is in that meeting. Uh, someone had broken down on Twitter, like, here are seven steps if you're having this staffing meeting. And they were really valuable. But what that person didn't do was tie that part where you're pitching yourself to the thing that came before, which was the 10 minutes of getting to know you stuff. Yeah. During which time, if you are smart, you're sussing out what you think they need in yeah. the room. Mm. And then you can say, I bring this thing that you need. <laughs> right. Interest. I, I feel like my staffing meetings are always just like a hang. Well, and I think comedy is very different in that yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. Because we've done that too. Even, that's true. even like pitch meetings in comedy or you're just like, we are all having a great time. Yeah. 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 I, I also, I've also seen advice like of people be like, come in with ideas and be ready to pitch right. them. And I'm like, I'm and not doing that. And advice says don't. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. 
I don't like working. I'm, <laughs> I'm not I, working for free. I don't like working. I'm not going to work for free. Well, we're not supposed to work I for think free. That's fair. <laughs> Wait a minute. You do a lot of free work. But you where you we do. Are, I, yeah. yeah. Someone, some exec is in a room somewhere being like, bitch, you working for free right now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, look, I mean, that's part of it. And we talk about that on the podcast a lot. It's yeah, like yeah. you spend those first few years doing a ton of free mm-hmm, work, mm-hmm. both for yourself, for other people, for, you know, a thousand dollars to write a full feature script, yeah. whatever it is. But at a certain point, I think you get comfortable saying, no, my time is valuable. I want to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Or I want to watch TV. I want to watch. <laughs> I'm playing my puppy. I want to watch Fleabag season two for a third time. You know? <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> that's it. There's no more. It's no Is more. that true? Has she cut it off? No, no, no spoilers. Did you watch it? Have you seen it? I didn't. Did she oh, die? Then I'm not telling. No, we're not telling. We're, <laughs> she, she dies in a ditch. She dies in a, yeah. She posted Edgar Allan Post now. Good for her. <laughs> Calling her shot. Damn Fleabag. Um, we do need to start to wrap up. So we, I did it start by asking about your watching, but we talked about Fleabag. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, Killing Eve, which I'm in the middle of season two and i'm just so enjoying like just watching those two do the dance the dance is the most fun tv since uh that same thing on hannibal yeah which i also love it's phenomenal Oh, hannibal That's right great. it was a good show yeah people forget it i'm so sad that it was canceled <laughs> yeah. he had a good run what else are you all watching what is what is getting you excited or expi- inspired what are you talking about with your friends with your rooms bravo shows like what? Like I like married to medicine, below to all of them. What I watch all of them. Married to what you could married? be making it's that so up. Good. No, it's like it's like black uh, black women doctors or doctors' wives in Atlanta, and they okay. are an existing group of friends. I have a fan in the room. I have a I have a mutual <laughs> a mutual fan in the room. Uh, I just I I like Bravo shows because they guarantee escalation and drama. Guaranteed. The best edited shows on TV. The best, well edited. It's shady. Like it's so it's, funny. It's, it's so it's it's so much fun, and and I fully embrace it. And I it's my marvel. So. <laughs> my marvel. I, uh, it is. It's a universe. I love it. That's great. That is. That's. Uh, <laughs> that. What is it called again? Married to Medicine. All right, I'm I'm gonna check it out. Best drama on television. <laughs> Best drama on television by far. Um, I I'm so stoked for the new and probably final season of Luther. Um, that is mm-hmm. one of that's actually <gasps> that TV show is why I decided to. Uh, he dies in a ditch. Yeah, I don't want to for you. <laughs> that, that, that show is why I said to myself, I want to write for TV. Really? You know, that was when I first saw it. You know, Sherlock had come out, and mm-hmm. I was into Doctor Who, and so I was getting into the BBC world yeah. back in literally nine years ago. Yeah. Um, and. When I saw Idris come up, uh, <laughs> side note, I didn't realize I didn't realize he was British. Amazing, because <laughs> of the wire. Oh, the wire. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh my god, Idris Elba's got a great British accent. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> An but, amazing uh, actor, yeah. and you were right for other reasons, <laughs> literally. Uh, but yeah, he just uh, the, the second he walks on screen, and I yeah. just I I just cannot stop watching, and I've been a humongous fan since. And the new season comes out tomorrow, I think Sunday, um, oh, and so I was able to watch the first two episodes of the new oh, season, okay. and I am so stoked for the rest nice. I, i'm so stoked i love uh, yeah luther it's 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 funny because i write a lot of dark you know genre yeah. a slightly horror but like you know that kind of stuff and a lot of period stuff and then if you look it's because i've been watching bbc <laughs> since like before they discovered hd which right. was like 2012 yeah. you know what I mean? like, um those, it, those early doctor who oh seasons my God, so, if it wasn't for david Tennant's ability like it's just yeah. why would you watch that it's like oh this is on vhs what's going on um 
but yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan. I'm excited for that for that's, sure. Well, yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even know that was coming back. No. Um, I wanted to talk for a second before we wrap up about comedy. You had mentioned, uh, Marquita, at, at the beginning of this, that like comedy is really at sort of a crossroads or at least sort of diverging into different kinds of shows. Um, and I watch stuff like Fleabag, like Better Things, I think is a great uh, example yeah. of it, which I absolutely love. But that's like, there's no story in that that's you're hanging out with these characters Mm -hmm. and that's very different to the kinds of shows that tend to be on network but are sort of like they're tbs they're on streaming platforms too when you're looking for jokes when you're looking for a show to make you laugh one do you (laughs) and two where do you go for that outside of like i think the only network show i watch is the good place where do I go go to find the like? What am I like for the comedy that got you interested in comedy? Mm. Because these shows didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I I sometimes say that like the I think it was indie film used to be yeah, the place for that. That's true. Character focused, yeah. emotional and funny. That's what cable comedy is. Yeah, now. that's yeah. you know that's what those movies were kind of like why I wanted to, I was like, I want to write, write. And mm-hmm. television was always a part of my life that I loved, mm-hmm. you know, and then things like 30 rock and Dexter and like all of these, like, you know, really funny, but kind of different. like television started. I think I came into the industry at such a great time. Yeah. And I think that those movies started to transition to television, that type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that to me is like how it just all happened at the same time. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I happened to be coming in in an era where the things that I've enjoyed a lot in indie film is happening in television. And it's almost like a better sure. medium in some ways, because you get to live with these people yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's great because the jokes are coming from an emotional place. They're grounded in story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just like, we're going for a laugh, we're going for a laugh. And it's, and it's sat, to me, that's a satisfying yeah. thing. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and to the same point, mm-hmm. I mean, Carlos, as a genre guy, yeah. you know, we're spoiled for genre stuff now. Spoiled. But, it can be hit or miss too, like right. Like we could love a concept, but the execution is not great. What is you know where are you? What is the stuff, the genre stuff that you're looking at now and going like, oh, that's a great evolution, or that's a, a, a nice sideways thing that you can do in genre that maybe you can apply to your own work. Right. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I was late to the train, but um, I'm now just devouring the Americans, mm-hmm. and yeah. my goodness, like that's yeah. that's phenomenal. And, and uh, obviously, you know, Chernobyl is is also incredible, and mm-hmm. that, that was a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think that there are that there's a lot more. There's so many more opportunities and so many more uh, avenues that people can go through. We're seeing these a lot more risks being taken um, in that genre space. Um, but again, I say that, but then we talk about Deadwood, and it's like Deadwood was what fifteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 60, like, and yeah. that was, I mean, and the wire, like that, that stuff was just 
turn, turn I, I think, well, you know what? HBO. There we go. That's my answer. <laughs> yeah. HBO. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because HBO has been there the whole time. And like we, we love Netflix and we love Amazon right. and we love Hulu. But HBO is like, yo, it's been 30 years. So I'm just now getting been there. your yeah, question. Was, You're literally asking what network we're going oh, no, to. No, for no, 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 no. So I didn't. I didn't yeah, get it. No, I was asking shows or anything. Yeah. I, I think HBO has consistently had their, their finger on Absolutely. the pulse. And, and not just, you know, groundbreaking, but also, I mean, regardless of what your opinions are. And I heard people have opinions on Twitter uh, about the Game of Thrones last season. Like I hadn't heard. Yeah, you hadn't right. Um <laughs> what is Game of Thrones? It's a what is Game of Thrones? <laughs> but it's at least ambitious. It's ambitious. It's, you yeah. know, it's huge storytelling. Yeah. Um and it is, you know, I think I, I stopped watching in season three, but it was was still character forward storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um anyway, thank you both for being here. Thank Thanks you. This for was great. Me. I hope you'll come back and chat again soon. For show. Thank you for listening to the Writers Panel. Tune in next Tuesday and every Tuesday for a brand new episode. And in the meantime, please subscribe and review the Writers Panel on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. And follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds. And let me know who you want to have on the show. The Writers Panel is a co-production of the Forever Dog Podcast Network and the ATX Television Festival. You can listen to more Forever Dog podcasts at foreverdogpodcast.com. And keep up with the ATX Fest throughout the year at atxfestival.com. Thank you, and see you next week. Well, you'll hear me next week. Thanks for subscribing. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarchet. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>